0: Elizabeth Sullivan joins us today. She is a former journalist, former teacher of writing and literature, and she is now the executive director of the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. She is here to discuss what's happening, what's going on. Uh, well, and I, 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 I've worked with Elizabeth off and on over the, the last few years, including attending the ICLE conference the other day at Catholic University. And so we're on a first-name basis. Welcome, Elizabeth.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark.
0: All right. Well, first tell us, generally, what does the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education do?
1: The Institute um, was founded basically to support Catholic educators in a variety of ways. Um, we our, our aim is to renew Catholic schools, to help teachers renew schools by reclaiming the church's tradition in liberal learning, basically stepping away from the secular model Recognizing that our own tradition is very different, and to reclaim that just across the board, content, curriculum, pedagogy, and approach.
0: You've got uh, a network. of uh, Is is network the right word for for the schools?
1: Yes, I would say network is the right uh, the right word. We now have uh, well, membership has exploded to 165 schools. Up, i um, um, doubled easily in the last year. So what we're seeing-
0: Hold on, I have to stop you there. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Because I think you misspoke. You said that the number of schools in the network doubled in the last year, and that's not true. That's false.
1: No, no, it's true. (laughs) And we serve many more schools than that, hundreds more schools than that. They are finding us-
0: What what, what is- Well, when you started, you started with, with, with zero- schools uh the you you said the word explode the other day so that that's definitely an explosive growth and uh you you can give I, i have a few more questions about about the network but just tell us why is this happening
1: i think educators and parents and priests and bishops have recognized that the secular model of education is undermining the faith of children it's founded on a different philosophy, and it's, not, it's failing by its own metrics in many ways. It's not turning out students who love learning or who can think well or speak well or write well. And the answer to that is the redis- rediscovery of our own Catholic intellectual tradition, which was the gold standard for centuries. And the important thing is that this is not just something for the university, that it really applies to the K through 12 um, levels of education. And it works. It forms some of the keenest minds and holiest saints in the history of the world. And the mark of success is that these schools are turning around. The children especially are finding joy in learning, and the parents are noticing when their kids are coming home from school, spilling over at the dinner table about uh, the Emperor Justinian and his codex and what that means. Uh, they noticed something different going on, and so part of it started as a grassroots effort, but now it has definitely um percolated up to um, chancery offices uh, across the country
0: You said that this was understood uh the schooling the children uh the formation of them as as Catholics was understood as not not even need in need of of explanation or justification and i can say my my own parents were both uh raised catholic my father in in eastern kansas my mother up in the mountains of colorado and they both went to catholic schools and even though they got caught up in the 60s in their own ways and and left the church and uh didn't put my brother and i through Catholic schools. My sister did up through what eighth grade or something, but uh, it was very clear whenever they would talk about their own respective childhoods how big a part of their lives was the school, the nuns in particular, the nuns who were teaching in a lot of those classrooms, Uh, and that even though they were. They were away from the church now. It was, it was part of who they were for the rest of their lives. And I I can't my my father used to say, you know, the motto was on so the Catholic Church, give give us a few years when they're children and, and they're Catholics for life. This was just one didn't even need to say this in the past, correct?
1: That's right. I I too was blessed, as your parents were, to have amazing sisters in my Catholic education. Um, And the difference there is they saw the world through the eyes of faith. They had a Catholic worldview. And a teacher is a role model in a classroom, a witness to the faith. So there was an enormous loss when when women religious left left in droves. And so many good people, well-intentioned Catholics, stepped in to fill that void and teach in Catholic schools. But through no fault of their own, they didn't get the same catechesis, the same human formation, the same spiritual and intellectual formation that those women religious did. And there has not been there have not been very many specific um, efforts to address that formation. And I think it's clear now that teaching is a noble profession Teachers need to be fed spiritually and intellectually to be able to lead lead students to discover to discover the truth of things, the nature of the nature of reality, their role in the world. And um, teachers deserve that formation. Those who are called to a vocation in Catholic education certainly deserve that formation, and we see that they love it.
0: Yeah, you know the network that you have, you look at schools when they, I mean, they contact you about joining up or having affiliation some kind. What qualifies them to be part of your network? How closely do you look at curriculum, for instance, um, the books that that they teach? La- is Latin in there? What What are the stipulations for joining up?
1: Well, Truly, the principle of subsidiarity applies here. Um, It it is a voluntary uh, decision on the part of the school to join this network because it demonstrates an effort that they really want to grow in this vision of education. So there are some that we would discourage, that we feel like they're not quite ready. But for the most part, it's a voluntary effort of those who have heard the buzz, they've seen what's going on, and they want to join and continue to learn and grow. It's not a... Switch that you flip, but we coach them on curricular materials, especially on pedagogy. Um, there's a lot you can do in pedagogy to restore wonder in the classroom and meaning and integration across the curriculum. And we we help them a great deal with that.
0: The, the pedagogy uh, issue, I want to follow up with in a few minutes with an important initiative that you have started, but Let me ask a little biographical question. How did you get involved?
1: Um, It was just a very personal story. I came to this through my vocation as a mother. I had been a journalist, and then I was blessed to be able to stay home with my children. And I was not um, impressed that by the time my boys were in third or fourth grade, they were bored in school. They were intelligent, inquisitive, and they were bored with school. So I guess my journalism background kicked in, and I did a lot of research about educational theory and educational approaches.
0: What were they were they in a Catholic school?
1: They were in the best Catholic school in my diocese at the time, and wonderful people involved in the school. Wonderful teachers who were working hard. It seemed that the underlying problem was: what are all these worksheets about? This is not really leading to wonder. Um, they were doing their jobs. They were, but there was not a sense of wonder in the classroom. And ultimately, that led me to get involved with a little fledgling school that had started up where people were retrying, trying to reclaim the church's tradition in liberal the liberal arts and sciences. And I wound up teaching at that school, and I immediately saw the difference. My Our youngest son was in second grade when he joined that school. He had been in a Catholic Montessori school prior to that. But The Catholic Montessori was rooted in the same principles, this Aristotelian Thomistic understanding of education. And I almost immediately saw within just a few months, I saw the difference in my youngest child in how he was responding, how he was loving learning, how he understood his faith, even as a seven-year-old. And I realized that this was the answer and basically since then have been on a mission to promote this and spread this as much as possible.
0: So, so you wanted to get out there. That the kid, the kids are out of the house. You wanted to get out there and continue the work. You, you found the institute. Why was the creation of this network, the, this this institute, necessary?
1: It was very interesting that what we discovered at the time was in little pockets all across the country, through a grassroots effort. Maybe um, in the eighties, I think a lot of Protestant. Um, Protestant parents resorted to homeschooling. They stepped away from the secular model, founded independent schools. Catholics were later to rediscover their own tradition. It's interesting that many of the non-Catholic Christians recovered this tradition of um, the classical liberal arts and sciences. So this began with homeschoolers, then moved into independent schools in the 1990s, early 2000s. It was not until 2010 that the first parish or diocesan school, Catholic school, um, went in this direction. That was St. Jerome Academy in Hyattsville, Maryland. Um, They formed a, they created a beautiful educational plan with the help of some homeschooling parents, some um, theologians and philosophers. And it's really a beautiful document that guided many schools um, and coalesced the movement. So what we saw was that there were people trying to do it and it was all kind of in fits and starts. And the Institute had its first conference in 19, or sorry, 2013, 73 people showed up and we were amazed. And the conference has grown so much. Our 10th annual conference had 350 people from 45 dioceses, probably another 1,200 live streaming from 80 something schools.
0: Wow. I I was there. I, I've been to a couple of your conferences uh, in the last few years, and uh, always at Catholic University in Washington D.C. And I, I'm struck because I've gone to academic conferences of the, say, the Modern Language Association. Uh, you know, the the literature teachers, composition teachers in in higher ed, and those affairs tend to be rather dour down, depressing, dismal activities. People are not happy. They're not smiling. And a lot of this is because the humanities have undergone such a contraction in the last 20 or 30 years. The job market has been horrible. So there's there's a lot of insecurity at these conferences, a lot of uh, feeling of we got a lot of people scrambling after scarce resources, and that that creates a lot of uh, a, a lot of institutional behavior that is not inspiring. I go to your conferences; everyone's happy, they're smiling, they're they're joyful, they're eager. They 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 they, they like to talk at the at the gathering afterward, uh on the other night. Everyone's in there; they're having wine, they're having cheese, they're laughing, and. I attribute that to, not not simply to they love their work, but outsiders love their work too. They're wanted. People, people are coming. And you're seeing a lot of these schools starting up all over the place. And it's happening very quickly. And you, you mentioned the Hyattsville school, How hard is it for a middle school to go, to shift away from, let's just say, kind of a a public school curriculum with a mass attached to it, to a genuine Catholic liberal education institution? How hard is that? Is that, is that, is that Is that just take years and years to do?
1: No, it's surprisingly simple, Mark. And I think that's because we're just returning to what is a deeply human education that speaks to the mind and the heart and the soul. So often, um, and and in fact, I think about close to 70% of our schools now are diocesan or parish schools, not um, not necessarily independent schools. At the beginning, this was mostly independent schools. Hmm. Now the real tsunami is with diocesan and parish schools. So, there's a few things that we recommend from the very beginning. Number one, get rid of social studies, which is a, a kind of a flat, godless landscape that does not engage <laughs> the heart or the mind, and replace it with real history, chronological history, the story of the world, the story of salvation history to see this um, to see this trajectory. Because for a Christian, we understand that the world had a beginning; it had a pivotal point in the incarnation and it will have an end. And for a young person to see himself or herself in that story is a game changer. Also, we love to learn by story. It's, a deep, it's not a dry, the not dry dust of facts and dates. It's the human beings, the decisions, the lives of virtue or vice that really shaped history. So that's immediately engaging. Number two is a real attention to language because language is the medium of thought. So the structure of language, the, the actual arts of the trivium, grammar, logic and rhetoric, to build that in, to understand that um, the abuse of language is the abuse of power, as Josef Pieper um, wrote so eloquently, and this is what we're encountering in our time, so mm. for For words to name reality is a very important concept.
0: Are there some non-Catholic parents bringing their kids to these schools?
1: Yes, very much so. Why? Because they see what it does for their children. They see that they're engaged, that they're joyful, that this is not the drudgery of learning facts and skills for a test. It's The tests are there, but they're almost incidental. The enterprise is more about discovering the world God made, its connections, its meaning, its purpose, and our role in it.
0: Now now, Elizabeth, j- just admit it this is this is a, a a scheme, a strategy, a tactic, a conspiracy to get to those parents through the kids, right?
1: <laughs> well, I have to say that it is evangelizing families as well. Um, I think we all recognize the gaps in our own education. I certainly didn't have this education myself, and learning is fun. you know, facts. Facts are not boring, random, isolated facts are boring but 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 when you see the connections and the meaning and you're in in the mode of inquiry and discovery, it's a different it's a different experience, and that sort of culture of learning is spilling over into the families as well.
0: you know a lot of these families they they want the achievement factor. Do we have research yet on the outcomes of a Catholic liberal education? Does it look good. We, I mean,
1: It looks very good. Um, The the liberal arts tradition is about the mastery of language and the mastery of number, which is literacy and numeracy. We can see how literacy and numeracy in this country has plummeted since the industrialization of education. The Department of Education was founded in 1979, a nation at risk. A lot of these well-intentioned efforts to halt declines in education unfortunately, ended in a in a vast bureaucracy with a lot of measurement and um, eclipsed, what are some of the things that cannot be measured? You know, formation of the moral imagination, the sacral the sacramental imagination. So literacy and numeracy is um, is notably better in these schools because there's a much more stepwise approach that's age appropriate. And so the test scores, they teachers stop teaching to the tests
0: all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Now, I've seen a little bit of the research, and it, it all looks positive. And the bishops, listen, this is working, you know? this is Or, or the bureaucrats, uh, we, we, we show them the, the numbers. Everyone wants to see, you know, research, evidence. Well, the evidence is is there and it and it's growing. And also, of course, the demand, the simple parent demand. Uh, we're having a lot of kids come in and we're not having a lot of kids leave. Uh, that that's that's the record. Now, you have an important new program of accreditation that you started at, at ICLA. What is that?
1: It's actually a credential program for individual educators. Okay. So, we saw a gap um Many dioceses and schools require teachers to be licensed because they want to ensure that children are getting someone who knows what they're doing in the front of the classroom, and that's perfectly reasonable. But we saw that there was a gap. There isn't a program out there that aims to infuse a deeply Catholic philosophy and practice of education across the board in terms of formation and credentialing. And So we launched one at the request of Archbishop Aquila and his superintendent, um, Elias Moe in Denver, and the pilot program ran last year and it was a great success. And we have now just we are launching on Monday. In fact, um, beginning of August, we are launching a um, national cohort. So um, this is a combination um, distance learning and in-person program with five integrated courses over the course of 18 months. It's designed to be portable and universal and um, accepted by dioceses in lieu of state licensure. The interesting thing, Mark, is many dioceses require state licensure, but they're not required by law to do so. So this is an alternative that will ensure well-formed teachers. Many of them have a difficult time finding well-formed teachers in the Catholic tradition, this will ensure well-formed teachers
0: for their schools. So the so your your licensing uh, is not going to be recognized by the state. No, but you don't need to be recognized by the state. Uh, this is this is independent of the state. And of course, if you tried to get recognized by the states, uh, the the schools of education in those states and probably the teachers unions would go ape. Uh, over having this competition from you, but my goodness, every single bishop should drop the state licensing requirement. And, you know, I I, I, I mean, what, what you guys should be doing is meeting with all the bishops to show, okay, here is what we teach. This is our program, of licensing. This is the curriculum. These are the materials. Okay. Here's what the state certification process involves. Does anyone in this room really want to say that we are inferior? Does anyone want to say, I mean, you, you want to ensure that you've got, you've got good, competent teachers pedagogically. They know their subject matter. We, we, We do this better for your school's than the states do it. So I I, I want I want to pledge from everyone in this <laughs> in this room right now. Uh but but so so what is wh- what is the plan to get this uh credentializing program? Uh spreading the word and getting the bishops on board. What's the plan?
1: so we we have publicized it among the bishops, and we're in conversation with a number of them about um if if it, there's a large enough cohort, we can bring the program to the diocese we in fact, we fly into Denver once a month during the school year, and it's very important to for this to be relational you know yes. teaching is relational it's not transactional, so the cohorts grow together so so in a large enough diocese, we could bring the program to the diocese. For smaller dioceses, they can send individuals as they are sending them. We are meeting in Aquinas College in Nashville in August, and then again in January, and then again next June, and then the rest of it is online. So the the cohorts will grow together, and they will continue to go. So we are letting bishops know we want to grow it reasonably, um, slowly, and responsibly, but we've Hired a number of people to help us with this experts in the field who are helping us grow the program so we can reach as many dioceses as possible in the long run though mark um, for example in Denver the team the diocesan team is learning this, learning the work that we're doing and we hope that it will we will work with them so they can train their own people over time yeah, yeah. so will spread in, in an apostolic way
0: that they have to know that the curriculum of uh certification of teachers in in the secular schools of ed are quite openly anti-Catholic. I mean, they don't say we're anti-Catholic, but what they teach is contrary to what you're going to hear in the catechism. Uh and and do do they do they not realize how oppositional the schools of ed are to the catholic vision
1: i think it's only now becoming clear but subtly all along because the secular approach to education begins with a different assumption about the human person as a as merely a future employee rather than a beloved son or daughter of god <laughs> aimed for human flourishing and an eternal future of course, the approaches are going to be based on keeping the end in mind, and so there are subtle things that are woven through, in addition to right. the ideologies that have now entered in.
0: Right. That that that's often what is hard to explain to people who haven't been there, who haven't been a part of it. I mean, I I was in the humanities for thirty years, forty, including school, and they they it's hard to show outsiders the the bias, right? The the tendentiousness because so much of it is implicit. It's like what you just what you just said. Seeing seeing students and teachers as just sort of these free atomized individuals. Uh they're they're learning some some material, they're learning some skills, but there's no there's no vision. There's no Christian providential history where you have a place in time and history and in the universe. Forget that. Uh, That that we cannot hire people out of the public schools, the public school system. We can't bring in a public school superintendent to be a, a superintendent of our dioceses and expect all the acculturation that that public school superintendent went through not to be carried along, along with him. So, uh, you say that it's it's becoming, it is becoming more clear. We we had we've had something of a parent revolt, right, against the school boards, against some of the some of the the curriculum stuff with race and sexuality. Is that coming into play here with the bishops' growing realization? Of sort of the public school mentality, and a lot of parents coming into your schools. Do you see that as as a component?
1: Oh yes, I, I think the entire nation has seen now um, what is happening in public education. You can't you can't miss those news stories, and so parents are just more aware, more attentive. They're not willing to outsource the education of their children and trust trust just anyone for that because they understand that it's. Has a huge impact on the child, either way. So yes, our schools are flourishing in part because people are leaving the public school system, um, and and others are just flocking because they see what it does. To, they see the improvement in in their child. They see a love of learning in their child, and it stands to reason that someone who loves learning will learn more easily.
0: How do uh, how do people find out more about the certification program?
1: Um, we have an enormous website with all kinds of information and background information and applications for the program. Um, superintendents, bishops, um, other schools can contact us to send, to inquire about the program. So our website is catholicliberaleducation.org. And the it's called the Catholic Education Formation and Credential Program.
0: Uh last question, uh, Elizabeth, and this this may be some speculation on your part. Um, uh, is a Catholic liberal education uh the the best, one of the best insurers of the survival and prosperity of the Catholic Church in America?
1: I absolutely think so. We can see the fruits already. And this movement is relatively new, 15, 20 years old. But we see the fruits in young people who are joyful and hopeful and connected. And they understand their faith tradition. They understand what it means to be a citizen of a democratic republic, to live a life of virtue, to live in community. I believe that these will be the moral leaders of the future. at whatever, whatever they're called to, whether they are in blue-collar jobs or whether they're in white-collar jobs or whatever they're called to, they're going to be leaders uh, in their community. We you see know,
0: that the, already. The, w- one of the phenomena, that's n- off-noted is how many, uh, how many believers go to college and turn into nuns, right? N-O-N-E-S. And I, I'm, go- I'm going to say that one reason they become nuns is not because they're anti- Religion but because they the religion wasn't as affirmative, they didn't see themselves within the religion strongly enough uh, when they when they did leave the home, leave the neighborhood and, and go off to college. and it seems to me the best formation here is is uh, is that school that shows this is so good. This is so wondrous. It's so joyous. It's good for you. It's a refuge. It gives you sanctuary from all the chaos that you're going to run into in, in this culture and in these universities that, that a lot of these kids enter. So I'm hoping that the I'm hoping that the word does keep spreading, that the success continues on this on this upward uh, upward track. And' uh, we're, we'll, we're, we're going to have you back again in in a year, and you're going to fill us in, uh, Elizabeth on